3: Happy Tuesday! Welcome! I'm Michelle Miao, your host, and since it's Tuesday, of course, John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Good morning, John.
2: Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon, everybody.
3: So, huge news lately. Yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anything in particular. (laughs) Which which of the the big news lately?
3: (laughs) I know, right? Well, in your world, maybe it it might not be big news, um, politically speaking, but it is big news for everyone else. Everyone wants to know if uh, Beyonce's new visual album *Lemonade* is talking about, uh, you know, infidelity and adul- adultery in a relationship. It's kind of interesting what a lot of people are saying. Even Piers Morgan, well-renowned journalist, is weighing in. Oh
2: yeah, well, and he's he's, he's well-known as a Beyonce scholar. Um, <laughs> you were correct. I was not tracking that story. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. In your world, though, seriously speaking, you host uh, the uh, our week to week political roundtable talk that airs here on the Progressive Voices Network Fridays at four o'clock Pacific Standard Time here on the Michelle Meow Net- uh, network. Michelle oh, Meow Network. It's someday, not a network. Someday, someday. Someday. <laughs> the show. Um, so, in the world of politics, mm-hmm. what is going on?
2: Well, Beyonce could run for president if she wants to because <laughs> both parties are fractured right now well today of course is not an yet another I know it seems like every week is another big primary day this is a big another what they call super Tuesdays with you know elections in multiple states uh, expected to be a good day for Hillary Clinton um so it goes on it won't change the world on either side but uh you know it's the big thing out of this is really that it gets more um, advertising for newspapers and television. Exactly. Channels.
3: Well, last Tuesday, it was very um, another very important day because yeah. it was the New York primary. So the results of New York, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, it is interesting because it's the first time after one of these that we've seen Bernie Sanders basically, you know, head back to uh, Vermont and and uh, reconnoiter with his his brain trust. Um, it does seem to be sinking in that, okay, I'm not going to win this. Mm. Um,
4: mm. However, he's continuing <laughs> to run.
2: Uh, well, there, there's there been some interesting, there was an interesting report, I think in Politico yesterday, about how he has started to tone down what he's saying in some of his criticisms of uh, Secretary Clinton. But then his his campaign will basically take what he said, issue a release and totally refocus it. So it's targeting Secretary Clinton. Um, for me, the thing when I, I was exchanging the contact or info with this on with some folks online recently, he now is continuing to raise tens of millions of dollars for a doomed campaign. And I'm you know sorry for the, wow. the Bernie wow. folks out there, well, but let's... I mean, he's he's raising money that should now be either redirected to, uh, you know, all those Democrats down ballot who any Democratic president would need or he at least needs to be to fess up and say, Hey, folks, guess what? I'm not going to get this. If you want to you know, support me because of what I am and, and the, the the so-called revolution I'm leading, that's one thing. But I think at this point, leading people on, thinking he's got some reasonable chance to win.
3: Well, let's. Sure Let's let's weigh in on this. And I bring up politics because the entire show is talking about, um, you know, the progressive movement. Mm-hmm. And I, I know you're going to enjoy our special guest today. Uh, it's been a long time in which we've been trying to get her on the program since um, she uh, you know, started with Victory Fund, which is the LGBTQ organization that looks to promote and provide a platform for lgbtq elected officials and with everything going on i think this is a very important conversation to have so let's get today's program started today's show is brought to you by pacific fertility center when life needs a little encouragement pacific fertility center will be right by your side visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. So I mentioned earlier the Gay and Lesbian Victory Fund and Institute. Well, they've released a new research titled More Than Represent, LGBT Elected Officials Drive Equality in the States. And, you know, John, you have said this a lot of times. It's like we need to be politically motivated and engaged not just during the, the, the major elections, but we need to be, you know, even in the smaller elections and just be, uh, just fulfill our civic duty. And if we are looking to sustain the progress that we've made as a community. So I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, who is the executive director and CEO of the Gay and Lesbian Victory Fund and Institute. Let's welcome Aisha Moody Mills to the program. Aisha, welcome.
5: Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having
3: me. We're so excited to speak with you at this very, I mean, I I, I guess you could say exciting time, even though um, sometimes it might feel frustrating (laughs) this political year, right?
5: Yeah, it's always an exciting time and busy time for us here because we, while we do have people who are running for Congress, we are so in tune to the impact and, and power of down ballot elections. And so as we're seeing everything that that is being thrown at the LGBTQ community in the states, it's very, very clear that the state politics matter, that all politics are local and that the politics are personal, particularly for our community. So it's exciting. It's busy. Um, we're also in, in constant defensive posture, but one of the things that we do here at Victory, is we focus on how we proactively win, um, and so that's what I'm up to, is getting candidates in line who can run and who can win this cycle for us.
2: That is all such important work. Let's, before we get into kind of some of the details of, of uh, and really the implications of this uh, report you folks have put out, why don't you tell folks what it is and why you did this report?
5: Yeah, so um, we, for the last 25 years, have been working hard to elect LGBT uh, people to offices up and down the ballot in in every state in America. And the reason why this is such a critical mission and continues to be a critical mission is because we know that when you are, as Barney Frank, one of my favorite quotes from Barney Frank, he says that if you are not at the table, then you are on the menu. (laughs) And the truth is, if you're not at the table, you are on the menu. And that is so true when we look at policy and policymaking. We see in states where that have the high, what we call the highest levels of equality, and we have lots of laws on the books that treat LGBTQ people fairly and equally, we also see that those states have the highest number of elected officials. And in fact, that before any really great pro-LGBT policy is passed, Generally, it's passed because there have been people who have been elected to serve in legislative bodies that have brought them to the floor and said, hey guys, this is important, that this matters to me personally, it matters to my community, and really been able to influence our colleagues and get them on board with driving equality. So there's a direct correlation there between having us represent ourselves, people from our community who are natural advocates and allies talking about the issues that affect them personally and being able to, for those people to be able to drive policy outcomes. So we've been doing this for 25 years, putting the people in place who are doing the work literally on the front lines and that has been critical and important and foundational to, to a lot of the uh, growth and, and change we've seen over the last uh, decade or so in America and is still really really critical because the first line of attack uh, for our opponent is to come at us with policy. So they're either right. trying to chop us off at the knees with policy or, um, you know, strangle us in other ways through policy. So that's uh, that's why this work is important and, and why we do it at Victory.
2: Sure. I, now, I assume as far as uh, I think you're, the, the press release on, on this report was pointing out kind of the difference in, for example, North Carolina and Georgia, Georgia having more mm-hmm. elected LGBT representatives. Um what role do you think those representatives are actually playing? Are they stopping legislation, or th- or are they actually really just a reflection of an electorate that are, is already a little bit more accepting of this, and therefore you're not going to see as much uh, anti-LGBT legislation? What what role do you think they're actually playing in all this?
5: So it's all of the above, really, and and you know let's let's. Just to to kind of clarify the work here uh, that we've done, when you're looking at states that have supermajorities of Republicans, like a Mississippi and North Carolina or Georgia, so here's the reality is that even if we have three out elected officials in, in one of those state legislatures, three people are not enough to stop a supermajority from passing whatever the hell it is they want to pass. right? So <laughs> right, right. We have, you know we have folks who are doing the best they can ha- holding the line, but at the end of the day, the numbers matter. and even with uh, their de- in, in all of these places I'm talking about, they would be Democrats, that would be the LGBT uh, elected officials. So even with their Democratic caucus, there's still a, mi- a, minor- a minority of a minority right? So they still can't stop things from happening. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of other places, they do. I mean, when you have a, a better balance of representation in some of the more moderate states or um, even the states that are kind of blurplish or, or purple or, you know, the, kind of the blurplish purple or like the blue states, you see time and time again LGBT people killing things in committee, stopping crazy bills from even getting out of committee before they're voted on. What I'll say about uh, the, um, the, 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 the infographic that you might have seen going around is that we looked at uh, the anti-LGBT laws uh, bills that were passed in first in Mississippi, or I'm sorry, first it was in uh, Georgia, then in North Carolina, and then in Mississippi. And we looked at the correlation there between um, the out-elected officials and those and and that are serving in those states and those measures that moved and whether they got passed or not. In North Carolina, obviously the governor signed it into law; it was passed, signed into law. Mississippi again passed and signed into law. There are zero openly LGBT elected officials serving in those legislative bodies. Nobody Mm -hmm. was there speaking truth to power. Nobody was there guilting their colleagues for even doing this, right? And then for sure, there were no people who had their constituents riled up going to the governor um, and saying, Governor, you can't do this because we're so powerful here that we will get rid of you if you do this, Mm -hmm. right? Flip that, conversely, and you look at Georgia – in the state of Georgia, which still has a Republican majority, we have had Out people serving in the in Atlanta um, on the city council for well over a decade we have three out people serving in the state legislative body there in Georgia one of whom is the first ever person to identify as queer elected to a state legislature in America so we have representation and while those three people may not have been able to stop a bill from moving by themselves what they have been able to do and over time is they have relationships are widely respected people. They are our advocates, our lobbyists, the ones who have audience in the governor's office who can say, look, dude, this is personal about me and my life and my family. You can't do this. And they're speaking truth to power. And that is influential. It's influential with their colleagues. It's influential surely with the governor. It matters. So then you see in Georgia, the governor doesn't sign it. And it's because we have political political voice there and representation that is sitting at those decision making tables really shaking things up and that's why it matters that we have that representation and the and the reality of what we found in our research is that we got 150-something bills moving all around this country that are, that are seeking to attack LGBT people. And it's not surprising, and we have a new report coming out on Friday that's going to dig deeper into this. But it's not surprising that most of the states where the worst measures are coming are also the states where we have the fewest number of out officials to contest them, to oh. make it personal. Absolutely. And that's Is that- the reality of it.
3: Beautifully said. I think he pretty much summed up the infographics uh, all for us today. But, you know, I, I want to throw this out there before we go to break. Just last week, uh, John and I were having this discussion about Bernie Sanders and how he had the chance to support and endorse out um, congressional candidates. And he did not do that. He failed to do that. Um mm-hmm and not that not that his choices were bad choices. I mean, they were great, you know, progressive democratic leaders themselves. Um, but like let's talk about that. you know, the difficulty mm-hmm. of of getting uh, out gay uh, you know candidates elected. You know, what type of support do they really, really need to be able to get elected in states like this who are trying to pass, you know, some of these anti-LGBT bills?
5: Yeah. So what we do here at Victory Institute is we do a lot of skills training and skill building. I mean, we have one of the most robust campaign political boot camps that is, that is, that, that there exists, I mean, around the world, actually, because we do global trainings as well. So what we're concerned with is building a bench and a pipeline of people who are serious, who can win and who can raise money that are more respected in their communities, and then giving them the tools and the emotional support, but then also the messaging support to be able to campaign and to win. And these are really hard districts, especially when, you know, you have a primary where they're running, like you just suggested, where they're running against another Democrat who might also be liberal and be okay for the LGBT community. It's really, you know, it's really difficult. And so at the end of the day, this comes down to being politically astute and being able to run a good political ground game. And that's what we teach people. So yes, you are a queer person running for office, and we help you message around that and like message, you know, to your community and within your community. At the end of the day, you have to also be a really solid public servant and politician and also be able to raise money. And we help on all those fronts.
3: Oh, we love Victory Fund here on the Michelle Miao Show. Aisha, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, (laughs) we want to continue (laughs) our discussion with you. So don't go away, everyone. Aisha will be right back after this quick break.
5: You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com.
1: Babe, I think we're ready. We're really
4: doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family.
0: g-r-e-c-a-r-e.com allegra home care serving your community
2: and now back to the michelle meow show
3: Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. Hopefully you are celebrating Taco Tuesday. (laughs) We always joke about that every Tuesday, but it's a real thing. I've driven, you know, to many different cities and states in which they celebrate Tuesday by serving $1 tacos all day long.
2: They're only doing that because you're there. It's it's, it's (laughs) to celebrate you.
3: I'm Michelle Meow, your host, and John Zipper of Commonwealth Club is here with us. Our special guest on the phone is the president and CEO of Victory Fund, or I should say the Gay and Lesbian Victory Fund and Institute, and they've just released new research more than represent. LGBT elected officials drive equality in the states. So before the break, uh, you know, we asked Aisha about the fact that um, uh, even a presidential candidate like Bernie Sanders here had failed to endorse out elected officials that could be good um, for our community. Lots of people have been asking this question, especially if you don't, you've never traveled to a state like North Carolina or Georgia or Mississippi, Michelle, John. How can bills anti LGBT bills? How can they be passed in states like this? I mean, what, what are they talking about? This crazy conversation about the bathrooms. <laughs> well, I think Aisha did a good job telling us how these bills are passed. It's you know a lot of there's this direct correlation that we do not have enough representation in these states, right, Aisha.
5: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 one you know critical critical factor. And I, I don't want to pretend like or mislead the audience to you know say that if we have you know two people that all of a sudden everything is going to change. But I do want to highlight that there is a what in our you know analysis seems to be a bit of a critical mass at least when we look back at uh, same sex relationship recognition, which moved through state legislatures um, around the country. And one of the things that we learned is that there is a bit of a critical mass when you get to have you know four. or five, six people that form an actual mini-equality caucus in the states, that tends to be enough of a group, of of a little core caucus group, to sway their colleagues and influence their colleagues to be able to move pro-LGBT measures. In this case, as we analyzed, it was about uh, the the same-sex relationship recognition, so be it marriage equality or be it civil unions or something else. When you looked at the states, you could see that eh, by the time they got to about four or five or six, then things started to get rolling. That may not be the case in North Carolina or Mississippi or in Georgia, right, or, you know, that may not be the case. We did see this play out a month or so ago in South Dakota, though, where we had bad legislation coming through, and the governor in South Dakota also didn't sign it. Turns out we have four out-elected officials in that state legislative body. So it's interesting to see that there's a correlation. We can't come up with the causal effect, but it does. The representation matters representation does matter
2: do these bills make it easier or more difficult for you to do your job of recruiting LGBT candidates in say North Carolina in other words I could see them people getting you know uh, uh, energized and wanting to do something I could also see them saying oh my god I live in a state where you know this many people want to impose these these laws against me and what 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 are you guys seeing on the ground
5: Yeah, so I'll give you an example of this. In North Carolina in particular, we've gotten a lot uh, of buzz and interest in people wanting to run for office because of this crazy bill. We, in June, are going to be doing our uh, candidate and campaign training in Charlotte. And oddly enough, it was already planned that we were going to come to North Carolina this year because we care deeply about uh, training people and building a pipeline in the South, and so Charlotte is our hub for our trainings. Mm -hmm. But once this crazy measure was passed, the application rate like went up, tripled of people who want to run for office, who want to come and learn what it means to be be someone who serves in the public sector. And so we are seeing a lot of interest. Uh, The challenge that we face, though, you know, there are people who are interested. It's about putting them, making sure that we find people in districts that we need to replace a bad actor and can run someone against a bad actor uh, and get rid of them. that that can also win in that district. And this is where, you know, the politics of districts start to play in and really the core political strategy because there are folks who want to run who may, you know, be let's say a pretty liberal Democrat but if they live in a very conservative district it makes it pretty tricky for them to find a pathway to victory. And so what we're focused on now is really seeking out some clear-defined pathways to victory in some of these regions and then recruiting candidates where we think there's a landscape that they have a hell of a good shot.
2: So say some of those folks, those potential Uh, attendees of this and potential candidates are listening today Um, how should they get in touch with you how should they learn more how should they start thinking about whether they might be a good match
5: the number one thing they could do is visit us at victoryinstitute.org and check out our candidate and campaign training that's coming up. We also do uh, miniature versions of that that you can find on our website, which only require a one-day commitment, but I highly encourage you to come to a training, come to a session, get a sense of what it's like to run for office, and if you have the chops for it, I bet you do. Most people need to be asked several times to run for office, so I declare to everyone that I think that you should run for office and consider it, and we are happy to give you the tools and the skills and to even help you fundraise to be able to be successful. So visit us at victoryinstitute.org. Check us out. If you want to know about our current candidates and where we're running our, our political strategy, you can visit us at victoryfund.org and learn more there as well.
2: You know, I was asking, I guess, on the negative, how those, those bills might uh, impact your, your recruitment. Uh, I'm assuming perhaps on the positive, what does this presidential election do? I mean, it's such a high profile, such a, an energizing election, really, in both parties, both for and against. I mean, are you getting some folks who are energized by that and saying, I want to play a part in, you know, on, on a different level?
5: You know, I, I have to say that I feel like the presidential tends to be a bit of a distraction um, yeah. at times. It, it sucks so much money True. and so much energy out of the room away from the, 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 the state and local politics, which ultimately are what matter. I mean, let's, you know, let's, let's be real about this. At this point, President Obama has done all that he can from an administrative perspective to make sure that LGBT people get a fair shake in America. If Hillary Clinton gets elected, the same thing will continue to, to happen where we really need the work to be done on the issues that directly affect our lives so be it criminal justice reform, be it education, be it dealing with homeless youth, um, be it dealing with HIV AIDS and other health disparities where those things really play out that affect our lives, those decisions are being made in the states mm-hmm. on city council levels by municipal officials, by mayor, small town mayors who are moving out and, and alloc, uh, allocating resources and funding. And so what really matters for our community are, the, are the, the local aspect of the politics and the personal side of the politics. And that's not the presidential race. Right. So it matters who's in your city council. It matters who's in your state legislative body. It matters who your mayor is and who your county officials are are. And sometimes, the, you know, we can all get caught up in the glitz and the gloss and the billion-dollar ads of the presidential and forget that what that person in the White House does isn't going to stop these bills either. Exactly. It's going to be the people we elect.
2: Well, and and not only are they, they doing these local bills and the state bills, but um, I think you really get that impact of just the personal connection when it's, you know, I mean, chances are a lot of folks have met their city council man or woman or um, you know, even may depending on the size of their town they might even have met their mayor the mayor might live down You know, I've met number of mayors in smaller cities. I've lived in um, so you know for them to actually know these people and see them as human beings as The people who you know, I mean that that I think has an even Bigger knock-on effect as far as changing minds or at least making people receptive to hearing arguments from yeah. them. yeah
3: um, for sure so Aisha, as we're winding down our interview with you, I have some major questions for you. Uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of us are huge fans of yours. We may have tuned into MSNBC and have seen you, um, you know, chime in on lots of issues on those types of talk shows like Maddow and, and, and uh, Chris Matthews. And um, sadly, you know, she's not there anymore. But Melissa Harris Perry. Yeah. yeah. Um, when will you run for office?
5: That's a good question. <laughs> I get that. I get that question. You know, I I deeply believe in the power of the political process, and I very much believe that you know public service matters. Um, I don't know if I'll run for office. Uh, I don't know when I'll run for office if I do run for office. But I can say that right now, um, I'm really focused on building community and building community where I live. I think it's also important that people who run to community and not just politically ambitious. And so mm-hmm. that's something that my wife and I think a lot about and talk a lot about and are really working ourselves to become just really good community advocates where we live and to be connected in a part of that. And we'll see where that takes us.
3: I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of the, the people, especially the media, love, love, love to cover you and your wife. You just mentioned it. Thank you so much for, for being open and, and, and just to, what they dub as a power couple. And then also, you know, (laughs) relying and leveraging the fact that you're both African-American women. There's this big conversation about racial issues here in this country now. Um, And not just socially, but politically. Uh, You know, I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on everything that's happening when people are talking about race in this country right now.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, race is very top of mind for me. I mean, I'm a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. So I pay attention to all that's happening um, as we think about just the, the, black, the movement for black lives, um, which is really top of mind. And I'm also you know, always thinking about the immigrant rights movement and the parallels there. Here, here's the thing. It, you know, as the electorate shifts, right? So there's a demographic shift underway in America. And the new American majority, the people who are going to be the, the, the majority of the electorate and surely the majority of the population are people of color. What that means is that means that we have to assume power proportionally to the shift that we see our numbers growing in this country, and that scares a lot of people. What we're seeing right now is a backlash to the fact that black and brown people are going to be the majority of this nation, and that there are a lot of folks who aren't quite comfortable with that yet. Um, The role that I play is that I think it matters that our representation is reflective of our communities. And so here at Victory, and for me personally, as I do the political work, I care about electing more Latino people, electing more Asian-American people, electing more African-Americans, um, especially those who are, if coming from the LGBT community, because we are underrepresented, our voices aren't always heard. And a lot of the issues that are still affecting um, us in this country are ones that have policy implications. So we have got to be at the table in order to continue to drive the policy dialogue and to make those decisions that affect our lives and diversity is everything and it, and it cannot be an afterthought of like mm-hmm. oh well it's cute that you know there's those that one over there is part of a black lesbian power couple so she might mean something right like we can right. deal with her because you know that it's not an afterthought it's fundamentally about you know the way that I as a, as, a, as a black lesbian see the world through my own life experience which contributes to the conversation and the political discourse right that diversity matters um, that we have a range of experiences even that come through lenses of race and lenses of gender, even lenses of age, right, or you know, country of of, of origin. Um, So, you know, diversity is what's going to continue to drive us, I believe, towards a more inclusive democracy, um, drive the values, the progressive values that I think that we need in this country. So, it's a top priority for us here to think about that and to know that that matters and is meaningful. Maybe, you know, Danielle and I, our voice sometimes a little bit, you know, we speak up, we, we do media, we uh, had our Politini show for several years. We think that we we like to think that we contribute to the diversification of conversations. Absolutely. And if we can in our little way do something to add, you know, to add to the voices, that's awesome. I, you know, I, I hope that we can contribute. I care about amplifying others too, because it can't just be us, right? Exactly. I mean, we can't be the only ones either doing the talking,
3: right? Right. Uh, we ran out of time, but I do have one question I really need to ask you. And, and uh, again, please support Aisha's work and uh, LGBT elected officials by going to victoryfund.org. But my very, very last question to you, and very quickly, we brought up Beyonce's Lemonade. And so, of
5: course, I have to ask you <laughs> I am obsessed. I am obsessed. <laughs> I, I, I am the president of the Beehive. <laughs> <now>.
3: <laughs> hey, Aisha, thank you so much for all that you do and for being a voice for all of us. I, I definitely think that, me. you know, for years, for, may, maybe it'll be a few years, but I could see Aisha Moody Mills running for president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> From your lips. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so Thanks, much, Aisha. Guys. Aisha Moody mills everyone. She's with Victory Fund. Again, please support the work that they do by visiting VictoryFund.org. Don't go away. The show continues with John Zipper and I.
5: You're listening to the Progressive Voices Channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. LIKE US ON FACEBOOK AND SHARE US WITH YOUR FRIENDS. FIND OUT MORE AT FACEBOOK.COM SLASH PROGRESSIVEVOICES.
3: THE SPOTLIGHT ON SUCCESS AND ACHIEVEMENT GOES TO LGBTQI MEMBERS OF THE BAY AREA WHO HAVE DEMONSTRATED AN INCREDIBLE AMOUNT OF SUCCESS. We're very proud to announce that this month's spotlight on success and achievement is Rick Welts.
1: Well, it's been an unbelievable stretch of time, obviously. Uh, Everything the Warriors have gone through this season, really a magical season that ended in a championship. Uh, And now, to to top it off a week later with the opportunity to participate in the Pride Parade in San Francisco, it's, uh, it's a pretty wonderful time. You know, it's been a journey, right? We're all on our own personal journeys, and uh, the last four years has been a remarkable part of my life. But it, it's definitely a part of my life. Uh, you know, the decisions I made four years ago to come out in the way that I did. Obviously, you know, I had decided I was signing up for something going forward and being part of the discussion. Uh, and you know, I welcome that. And this is, uh, you know, for me a real honor to to be participating in this way. And I guess in in some ways it it will be a demonstration of how far professional sports has come in in a very short period of time. Uh, Not as far as our society has come, so I think we have a lot to celebrate. Wow, I I don't think I have any secrets. I don't think I'm that mysterious. You know, I've got a uh, pretty simple life. I like pretty simple things. you know, I've, I've got a great partner. His name's Todd Gage. Uh, he has two wonderful children—a 14-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy. I—I I, uh, got off the parade route, got into a car with them. We drove to Lake Tahoe, and I got to watch 14-year-old girls play four soccer games over the course of the weekend, and then drive back to the Bay Area. So that's my idea of an exciting weekend—you know, spending it with the kids and my partner, and getting to do you know the most basic things that any family would get to do spotlight on success and achievement presented by wells fargo together we'll go far
2: and now back to the michelle meow show
3: welcome back happy tuesday i'm michelle meow your host john sipper of commonwealth club is here with us hello john
2: hello michelle hello everybody
3: so you know we just can't not we we just can't stop talking about the anti LGBT legislation. Oh, thank God, uh, I thought you were going
2: to talk about Beyonce again.
3: <laughs> no, you're off the hook. But after the show, you should go download <laughs> <laughs> the visual album. Um, uh, just because everyone's talking about it, don't you have fear of missing out?
2: Are they? A sp- is Beyonce a sponsor of today's program? <laughs> no,
3: no, it's just Michelle
2: Miao's show is brought to you by Beyonce's. New album. No,
3: I I have some thoughts that, that we can talk about. Um, You know, towards the end of the the program, but 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 speaking of musicians and performers, you know, obviously in a state like North Carolina, lots of musicians have come out to to boycott North Carolina because of the anti LGBT bill. um, But really, you know, focusing on the anti bathroom bill, anti transgender bill, um. So the most recent musicians, is Nick Jonas and Demi Lovato. I don't expect you to know who they are. I know who <laughs> Nick Jonas is, uh, but you know it—it—it—it's like this big conversation, though. Is it actually? Is that actually good for the state of North Carolina? Is it actually good for the LGBTQ community in North Carolina? I mean, Cindy Lauper is one musician who has said that she will not boycott North Carolina and, and uh, will proceed on with her concert. So our next guest today is also a musician, and she has some thoughts about the uh, boycott or ban of performers in a state like North Carolina because of this these uh, anti-LGBTQ legislation. Uh, she performs with her band Mad, Mad Transit as well as Streetlight. Let's welcome Maya Monet to the program. Maya, welcome.
4: Hi, thank you for having me on.
3: Thank you for being with us. I really, sure. really enjoyed the article that was featured on The Advocate and you coming off as, you know, a transgender musician on why Bruce Springsteen and Brian Adams may not be all entirely right to turn their backs on North Carolina and Mississippi. So let's start there. Um Yeah. Do you you think that boycotts and and banning and you know businesses? I mean, it it does feel like we're leaving uh, some people behind.
4: Yeah. I mean, I I will say that I don't. It's not that I don't think they're effective. They they probably are very effective. Um. But but they do sort of leave one half of the conversation at you know at the table where instead of having a dialogue with the other side, we're basically just like taking our ball and going home. And, And I'm not so sure that's always a good idea. Um. I think, especially in this case, when we're talking about uh, transgender people in general, I think I, I think too often uh, the goal has, as transgender people has been have been to become invisible, you know. Uh, whereas, I think uh, in the gay lesbian community, uh, there has always been a drive to become more and more visible over time. And I think because of the invisibility we have, I, I, I think it, it leads to a lot of fear and ignorance uh, people don't realize that they may not have no transgender people in their lives. And so it becomes these stereotypes kind of come in to fill the void of of people's fears of what may happen. And and I think that's where we don't take the opportunity to educate, um, this is what, uh, fills, fills the space. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I, that's why I like Cindy Lauper's approach better. Uh, Mm -hmm. Laura Jane Grace as well, uh, from, uh, Against me, uh, who's also a, tra- a trans woman herself, uh, you know they're they're coming in to try to educate uh, and, and try to make points uh, about you know what it is to be transgender in America, and and I th- I like that approach better.
2: Um, I really liked your article because I think it's one of those nice articles that you can read it from whichever view you have on this. You know, you should boycott, you should not, and I think you 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 treat both sides. I think uh, you know reasonably, and, and you can kind of come away from it, say, you know, saying, okay, I understand you know, why you'd feel the need to do the boycott or something. But and talk a bit more about, because I like what you you do. I had not known what Cindy Lauper was doing, though I know, of course, about her advocacy for LGBTQ mm-hmm. issues, um, or Laura Jane Grace. I mean, tell tell our listeners a bit about how they're approaching it and how, what they're doing and, and what the impact of that will be on the ground in North Carolina.
4: Well, um, I know in the case of Cindy, she was going to have a ba- basically a day of education and, and donate some of her profits to... Um, to basically the lgbt organizations in north carolina which you know so there, there is money then flowing into north carolina to help combat these laws i think that's a great idea and also educational opportunities uh, for the people in north carolina and i know uh one thing that laura was doing that was going to be unique is that she's going to have gender neutral bathrooms and you know and so specifically uh, at, at her venue so that's specifically pointing towards the, the thing i guess that people are most scared about you know yeah. um i really like that you know that that they're trying to be proactive about something instead of just leaving a void. And I, I think, you know, when you do that, first of all, with the boycats here, you're, you're hurting, you're hurting the state of North Carolina, but you're doing it indirectly. You know, you're you're doing it through basically lost tax revenue from the people who will not won't will will not be able to work these uh, the venues, you know. And so I think at a very basic le- uh, level, you have collateral damage here.
2: I, I, and, um Sorry.
4: Go ahead. No, I was go just going to say, uh,
2: in particular, the, the folks who are going in there playing concerts and donating that money to causes in, in North Carolina, I think yeah. that's really an important thing to do. And that that's, yes, you can do that if you, you know, if you're going to boycott it, okay, still put your money where your mouth is, where it's actually going to have a knock-on effect rather than just not earning money from that concert by not showing up.
4: Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one thing to issue a press release, you mm-hmm. know, say, I'm not going to play. Very good. Um, and, and that's great, you know, and, it's getting, and you're going to be in the news cycle, and of course, it, it does increase the pressure on North Carolina to, to repeal the law. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it doesn't really do much more beyond that. You know, you're in the news cycle for one cycle, and then you're gone. And mm-hmm. then, you know, no, no one's going to be talking about Nick Jonas, you know, this time next week. <laughs> right
3: well it's um. gay pride season so he might be hired to perform at some gay pride somewhere but you know we've had this con- this has happened before it, remember Russia you know Russia had passed an anti-lgbtq um, propaganda bill right before the winter games the Olympic games mm-hmm. and right. and there were you know some activists who felt that you know we needed to pour out the Russian vodka or not travel to Russia and then there were some activists mm-hmm. and performers who said no we can't turn our backs on LGBTQI Russians. Uh, I mean, kind of looking back, when you think about all of that and the banning and the boycott and all this discussion, it seemed when you finally tuned in to the Winter Olympics, um, you know, people kind of, it, it, it was as if like it was, there was no more talk about it. I guess what I'm trying right. to say, it was like business as usual.
4: Yeah, I think there really was. A, I, I remember watching the Olympics at the time and I think there was sort of a, I guess I, I can't remember if the networks were sort of encouraged not to talk about it at the time. I, I think there was some sort of movement in that regard, and made, mm-hmm. it would make things uncomfortable, embarrassing for the hosts, right? But
3: yeah, and, and my point is, you know, it takes so much more than a pop star uh, boycotting the legislation yeah. for us to really make a difference. John, you had something to say.
2: Well, I was just going to ask you: Do you uh, apply this to non-musicians, to other types of boycotts, um, or would you make that? You know, would you make that same argument for? you know, some of these companies that are saying they're not going to expand or move into North Carolina, would their presence there, um, as supporters of LGBTQ issues and equality yeah. help or, do, or, or because they're playing on a much bigger level, lo- you know, I mean, a company yeah, coming in and creating a really thousand jobs is actually going to have a bigger impact in North Carolina and th- than a, a concert. So
4: what do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. And I had thought about that and, and my position personally, is that I'm it, speaking specifically to musicians um, in particular, because I think they, they have this uh, um, this unique place, you know, the arts and culture in general, just have this unique place in our society to just touch people on a very personal level. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you saw that this week when Prince died, you yeah. know. Um, at the very same time, Donald Trump was saying, yeah, I think, you know, transgender women should be allowed to use the, you know, bathrooms that align with their gender identity. And he was like wiped from the front pages, you know. It was it was all about Prince, 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 Prince. That's and right. And my... My news feed in Facebook was just, you know, inundated with my friends, you know, mourning his death and, and hardly anyone talking about what Donald Trump had said. You know, the only one who really really cared was Ed Cruz because it right. gave him right. more more fodder for
2: mm-hmm. you
4: know, to shoot at uh, Donald at Trump. Trump. Yeah. So I, I do think um musicians have a unique position in society, at least in that regard. Um I, I do pre- I mean I actually um, you know, um, full disclosure, I did work for Apple for about um a year and, and, and left about a couple months ago, and it was a great company to work for and very LGBT friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but you know, I, I, as much as a cultural icon as Apple is, um, I don't think they can they can really hold a candle to Prince. Um, so
3: yeah but, I, but I, I I totally get what you're saying and' cause yeah. yes uh, you know music touches people, and um that I was gonna ask you know that was my next question for you as a performer and 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 mm-hmm. you mentioned it in your article as a trans performer musician um you're in florida and and you have a couple of bands that you uh perform mm-hmm. with I mean, you know, is it ever something that you have to always talk about i assume that when you go and you perform people are coming out because they love your music
4: yeah um i have uh well it depends on it, i think it's anything like i do in my life it, it all depends on the situation so um i try not to make it a focus um
1: a lot a lot of
4: people necessarily know i'm transgender when i'm performing in front of them but i have taken the opportunity um during special events in my life i, I did this recently at a at a at a particular uh, venue I I sing at, um, that I felt was, you know, safe and accepting where I just stood up on stage and I said, okay, these songs mean this to me as a transgender woman. And yes, Mm -hmm. I am a transgender woman. Um, so I have taken the opportunity to educate from the stage. Um, although without making a big deal out of it, it's not like I I sat there and, and, and (laughs) and on the, you know, the, the P's and Q's on what it is to be transgender. Uh, but, I, I did. I did. You know, say, "Hey, this is who I am," and I am being visible in front of you. And, and I and I hope that makes an impact in and of itself. Um, so, I don't. You know, uh, I don't perform in too many gay spaces here. Um, m- mostly straight bars, and those can be kind of intimidating. You know, mm-hmm. uh, depend, depending on the situation, I may I may not want to necessarily out myself because there is. I know. You know, I, why I myself take the position of that. I try to be as visible as possible. I, I do. I am a proponent that it is a very personal decision. Um, you know, and it, and safety plays a big, big role in that. And, and so I try to be as safe as possible when I do that kind of thing.
2: That, that's actually a good point because I was going to ask. Are, you know, Brian Adams going to Egypt. Are, you know, are other places you would not yeah. go? And and it sounds like yeah, you you do have to be wise about where you uh, go to and what you reveal about yourself.
4: Yeah, as we know the the. The statistics on violence against transgender women are pretty horrifying. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, make, we make up more than half of the violent crime in the LGBT community, even though we are one tiny, tiny percentage of it. Right. And especially, and especially trans women of color. So it's, it's, it, it is pretty horrifying. And, and I, I understand why some people are not comfortable um, coming out and saying, hey, this is who I am. And I do have the, the, you know, the privilege of, of being taken as cisgender most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, it, I, it to me it's a conscious, you know, political decision really to say, "Hey, I'm transgender. Mm-hmm. This is it isn't what you think it is. You know, it is. You've probably met many transgender women people or people in general in your life, and you didn't know. Yeah. especially mm-hmm. here in Orlando, where I live, because right. we have Disney. And having worked at Disney, <laughs> yeah. Disney is is very gay. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I can't even tell you. I mean, I've, I've, I've worked in locations where every single person on the floor at that particular first time was gay.
3: Oh, um, my gosh. I think yeah. the focus on the family or one million moms is yeah. having a heart attack right oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah,
2: they're too know. busy
4: boycotting. They're uh, too target, busy boycotting. So. They're busy boycotting. Yeah. Sorry, Disney, if that causes All you any right. problems. But, uh, but, but in any case, you know, and also quite a few transgender people there. So if you've been to Disney, you've probably met a transgender yes. person. You just did not know it.
3: No, I mean, I knew it, you know, just being LGBTQI. I mean, yeah, we just, we've right. got the, the radar. Hey, Maya, thank you so much for joining us here on the program. Thank you for your beautiful article and sure. uh, for being a voice in our community. Anytime. Maya Monet, everyone. She's a transgender woman, musician, and uh, a great voice for our community. If you'd like to check out her band, you can look up Mad Transit or Streetlights. Don't go away. John Zipper and I will shut the show down (laughs) with our final thoughts. Don't go away.
5: You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at progressivevoices.com.
1: Babe, I think we're ready.
4: We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family.
0: G R E C A R E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community.
2: And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show.
3: Welcome back. Happy Taco Tuesday. Enjoy the Taco Tuesday. Uh, back to the Michelle Meow show, <laughs> brought to you by Beyonce. Beyonce, um, we'll get to Beyonce in a little bit, and why I thought it was important to bring a her up. Beyonce
2: versus Prince discussion. Uh,
3: no, we can't do that. No, there's there's no comparison. They're both equally great performers. You know. During different times, and uh, but but at the same time, you cannot compare them. It's not like one was better than the Nothing other. Nothing
2: compares to you. Is that Nothing what you're saying?
3: Nothing compares. Hey, I wanted to read something. I didn't get to mention it in our interview with um, Maya. I mean, you know, she wanted to focus on the, the conversation on musicians. You, no. We are having conversations of also big businesses who are trying to boycott and ban States like North Carolina for passing a, the uh, HB2, I should call it, the anti LGBTQ bill. Uh, so I got an email from uh, our friend here, Tony Perkins. <laughs>
1: who is the uh,
3: yeah, he's the president of the Family Research Council and if you don't know about that organization it's incredibly anti-LGBTQ and they are listed as a, a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center but anyway so he's sending out an email for folks to sign a petition to to bring to the governor of Pat McCrory to not consider uh, repealing uh, the passage of this bill I guess and so it in that he says you know the hypocrisy comes from i'm just going to read this right um the hypocrisy the hypocrisy comes from these corporate fat cats it's stunning these businesses are free to adopt these privacy invading policies on their own but they haven't why could it be the legal liability that they would assume by putting women young girls and others at risk And then it goes on to say, additionally, these same corporations, which are being used by LGBT activist groups in North Carolina, don't seem to be so concerned about so-called LGBT rights elsewhere. Many of the businesses that have threatened to boycott North Carolina are also the same ones that shamelessly do business in countries like China, Cuba. Russia, Saudi Arabia and Singapore, countries that not only criminalize homosexual behavior, but even in some cases make it punishable by death.
2: I think he had to go to Google to find out where those countries actually were.
3: I think so, too. <laughs> well, who's doing business? in? never mind. Um, it's interesting to read, you know, these these letters because it continues the whole fear mongering thing. And and then it also um it plays into people's fears. They keep talking about how young boys will be, you know, going into the restrooms with little girls, and you don't ever hear them talk about how, you know, would you want, you know, girls going into the restrooms with right,
2: your boys? you are not allowing them into one restroom. We're <laughs> going to use the other restroom unless you're just going to say
3: hold it. And every time I hear that, I think of the old, you know, uh, right wing conservative uh, uh, Republican politician who after years of service for the religious right ends up in you know caught in some scandal a gay scandal perhaps yes
2: what, what was the facebook meme uh something like zero cases of you know transgender people causing an assault in a bathroom however you know all of these cases of republican congressmen uh you know getting caught in bathrooms and and uh paging scandals and stuff like that um yes there is a lot of uh projection there <laughs> but also you know they're they're talking to folks who basically already agree with them you know no one is going to be con- to change their mind as a result of say Mr. Perkins's mm-hmm. uh email um and they raise just enough of you know question oh well that's right apple does do business in china which isn't the most gay friendly country in the world well yeah apple can't have an you know it apple americans are Americans, right. which is a dumb thing to say, but um, that means North Carolina is part of us. China right. is not. We do business with China. We live here.
3: Right. And when there is a federal, <clears throat> excuse me, when there's a federal law, such as marriage equality, that, you know, states that, you know, LGBTQ people should not be treated as second class citizens and nor should they be discriminated against, I mean, at that point, you know, to, to write bills or pass bills that absolutely discriminate such a small number of people, you've just got to wonder like, how hateful are you? Like, how it, angry and hateful are you? It,
2: it is, it is spiteful and it is hateful. Yes. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and, and again, it's not really about the bathrooms. It's, it's not. It's about having a hate issue. It, it's just a, as they say, it just as it wasn't about the water fountains.
3: Right. And I don't want to come off as, you know, a, a, uh, Uh, angry, uh, loud liberal that just thinks everyone who's conservative is dumb or, like, you know, makes stupid decisions. That's not where I'm coming from. All I'm trying to say is that, you know, there's a lot of elements here that don't make any sense. One, spending taxpayer dollars on trying to pass bills like this that really impacts a small number of people when we have bigger fish to fry, if we have bigger issues to consider. And also the fact that, you know, it's really missing the point that if you, you, you know, you you obviously don't understand transgender people, you don't know what transgender means, which would be the reason why you would, you know, create a campaign that that is absolutely false. It's wrong. You know, Anyway. Let's get off the bathroom conversation because I did bring up Beyonce. And before we end the show, um, I want to talk to you about why I think it's very important to talk about Beyonce.
2: Brought to you today by Beyonce.
3: <laughs> so Beyonce has released her latest album. It's a, a which visual album. you can album.
2: purchase today on... You
3: can. Uh, iTunes. It was first released on Tidal, which is her husband's streaming company, uh, which be... is not doing too well, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> Jay-Z. <laughs> They don't have enough users. Um, And, uh, you know, Okay, from a business standpoint, I I get it. It's freaking genius. I mean, the woman shut down HBO for an entire day so that you could watch her visual album for free on HBO. I saw part of it. You did. Yes. I'm very proud of you.
2: (laughs) I Um, I couldn't reach the remote, but go ahead.
3: And so from that, from a business standpoint, I mean, she's not doing anything that I've not experienced in this country. Many artists and uh, business people do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Drum up yourself, blah, 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 and sure. then da, 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 da. Um, she really, in my opinion, has revolutionized and changed the course of how we consume music. And I love that, that she's not owned by anyone really but herself. My point is, though, it seems that people are taking her content out of context. It's like they're taking and analyzing and criticizing her content and and using it against her. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if she if Beyonce wants to be political in her artistry, if she's speaking you know, about herself personally, I don't see why people have to criticize her. So I'm referring to Piers Morgan, who wrote a uh, an opinions piece for the Daily Mail, which is hardly a credible, you know, or journalistic source <laughs> considering what he does. But he was like, I miss the old Beyonce, this new activist, you know, born again, black um, uh, political Beyonce is not is someone that we need to fear in his article. He and said that. yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like, first of all, like, are you even American?
2: Well, he's, he's British, but right. I um, know. <laughs> you, you do get that that complaint a lot from folks whenever someone uses or at any level. -hmm. A sitcom, a a movie, whatever. And they're like, oh, no, no, why are you getting political? I just wanted to be entertained. And it's like, okay, you've got a lot of stuff that will just entertain you. Mm -hmm. It actually, I mean, the reason we protect culture and journalism and, and, you know, those kinds of vehicles is because of the political. It's not for the entertainment. Uh, You know, the worst, you know, dictator in the country, in the world, uh, the worst totalitarian government in the world has entertainment. They don't have political, well, I should say they don't have freely political uh, uh, culture. Good for her. Good for her that she's right. in a position that she can do that and that she can ignore Piers Morgan. And right. Piers Morgan can say whatever the heck he wants, but um, you know she's taken advantage in a good way of the the business opportunities that are out there and she should have a voice
3: yeah and you know there's so many people out there too who are uh haters i'm gonna call them haters really you know who want to say that her album is very anti-police i i don't get that i get what 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 she's singing about is being an african-american woman from texas who's going through some of these things and and i promise you I don't know if it's actually even all true that Jay-Z has cheated on her multiple times. If you look at all the media reports coming out, oh, you know, the the Becky, the quote-unquote Becky in the song that Beyonce's referring to might be Rita Ora or, like, uh, this woman, Rachel Roy, not Rachel Ray. It's, like, sending people into this crazy, you know... I I don't know. It's, like, driving people. We're
2: we're learning two things. One, that... Um, she has become a touchstone of a lot of people's concerns and fears politically, and two, you spend way too much time reading about her.
3: <laughs> I'm a Beyonce fan, what <laughs> can I say? I did download uh, the uh, the video, but, uh, but it just made me so much more aware at 34 years old when a woman, a woman of color, uses the same strategy in this country to make her own money and be successful and talk about the uh, social and political issues and impact her it's it's not okay Sir, all of a sudden it's not okay <laughs> i was just going to say uh,
2: that she's making some people uncomfortable with the positions she's taking i say that is part of the role of an artist but um, if she were doing if she were being political in a way that uh, these critics agreed with they would have no problem with it
3: And that's the end, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Michelle Meow Show here on the Progressive Voices Network. Remember, all of our podcasts that John and I do together is available at CommonwealthClub.org slash meow. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time, four o'clock Pacific Standard Time.